Welcome to Let's Get to Work, a podcast with stories of hope and inspiration for people experiencing blindness and vision loss, as well as those wanting to support us. Brought to you by the Employment Committee of the American Council of the Blind, a place where we talk about all things employment, finding jobs, holding jobs, building careers, and challenging stigmas. Each month will consist of two visually impaired people who have chosen to travel down unique career paths. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get to work. Welcome to the American Council of the Blinds Employment Committee's podcast, Let's Get to Work. Today, I'm interviewing the Reverend Bob Rathbun from Massachusetts. Bob, say hi. Uh, Hello there, Peter, and good to be on the podcast. We're delighted to have you. So, Bob, tell us what you do these days. What is your main function? What's your main career? Okay. Main career, I pastored for 58 years. And tell me about tell me about the church you pastored. It's a it bears the title of Baptist, but in truth it's just a Bible believing church. And we believe the Bible to be the word of God. And that's uh, that's what the whole thing has been about. And how many people, how many parishioners are in your church, approximately? Oh, it has varied considerably. I might add that I am newly retired. Um, I told the Lord that I was willing to pastor as long as he wanted me. And when he no longer wanted me, he'd have to make it clear because I have Troubled sometimes getting such messages. This year, I had three heart attacks, one of them uh, very severe. And uh, I said, uh, (laughs) okay, Lord, uh, I think I get the message. (laughs) So when you were pastoring, uh, approximately how many, uh, you know, when you retired, Approximately how many people were in the church you, you, you pastored? I would say 40 and around there. Okay, cool. So let's go back to the very beginning of your career path. What prompted you to be a pastor? Well, let's go back. I will hit, hit that, but let's go back to my Perkins days, 1941 to 1955, and Perkins taught something of great value, namely that the world doesn't step aside for blind people. You have to earn your your own freight, pay your own freight. In other words, whatever you do for a living, you have to do it as well or better than a sighted person. You're not going to get people feeling sorry for you. And praise God, with that philosophy, all my graduating class got jobs and worked okay. Now, so to- just, just for the record, that's Perkins School for the Blind in Watertown, Massachusetts, correct? Correct. Okay, please continue. 
the summer between, well, no, that's my senior year at Perkins, a lady who was training to be a missionary at a school for the blind in Africa went to Perkins to learn uh, the skills, the way things were done. And as a result, she was there in my senior year, and I don't think they were allowed to uh, push one religion or belief over another. But she said to me, you know, the Bible is the word of God. I had never heard that. And I thought, if there are people that believe this, it's at least worth my while to read it for myself. And so my, I had a Braille Bible given to me by my grandmother 10 years earlier. And how many volumes was the Bible? Do you remember off the top of your head? That's a long time ago. 20 volumes. Okay. Uh, 20, 20 thick volumes, right? They were pretty thick. Yeah, yeah. And I still have those 20 volumes and have used them throughout my ministry. So I read through the Bible in my senior year, cover to cover, and I didn't reach a conclusion just then, but the summer between my graduation from Perkins and my entrance into Tufts University, I had a fellow, a friend of my brother's, but my brother was getting married that summer and had very little time for his friend. He had time for the lady. So the friend kind of adopted me. He brought me into Boston for the Esplanade concert, Boston Pops. And he asked, would you mind if I turn on the radio? No. His God, do what you want. He turned on evangelist Jack Wurtzen. My concern about this was that it would is this like a holy roller uh, thing, a way out? Well, Jack was led that night to quote from the best loved hymn of that time, the old rugged cross, for it was on that old cross that the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Jesus died for a world of lost sinners. And I remember from my reading through the Bible, the Bible said that. Well, when I found out that we got to the Esplanade a lot earlier, but he wanted me, Ted wanted me to hear the whole thing. So he kept driving around the streets of Boston until Jack Wurtzen was over. Getting out of the car, he said to me, have you ever given much thought to spiritual things? I said, ah, a little. And the Lord led him not to pressure me, 
But he said, I hope you will. It's the most important decision you'll ever have to make. Well, it was about a month after when I trusted the Lord Jesus as my savior. I went into some detail there to get to your question. When I got to Tufts, I found they had electives. Perkins didn't. But Tufts had elective. I took all the religion courses I could. And I didn't know, but Tufts was a liberal school. The school of theology was liberal. So uh, I would have many headaches, probably, that I gave the professors and they, they would say, like, they uh turning the water into wine. They would say, well, the water, when they poured it in with the dregs of the wine that were left in the pots, the water got flavored. But the head of that uh, feast said, how come you saved the best wine until now? And when is water, uh, wine-flavored water, better than wine itself. So, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, um, uh, and what did you, how did your professor respond to that? Huh. Uh, he just uh, kind of moved on. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to I sort of discuss, so this was back in the, for, what, the 40s you were at Tufts? This would be 1955 to 1959. So t t how did you, uh, you know, what accommodations did, I know that, that, you know, this is well before computers and all that stuff. How did you uh, sort of ad adapt to your blindness in a college setting? Perkins, philosophy, obstacles are things to be overcome. I would have to find ways because the world wasn't going to find ways for me. My parents read some of the textbooks on cassette, on Reel-to-reel, uh, yeah, yeah. Reel-to-reel tape. And other courses that I was taking, I would ask someone in the class if they would be willing to read the text for me, and they had to read it anyway, so it wouldn't so much be wasting their time. Uh, I said, if you want to stop and digest what you've just read, or if you want to mark in the book certain things, uh, go ahead and do so. I'm not in any hurry. I just want to hear the material. And that worked well. Now, at the end of my sophomore year at Tufts, I had to declare a major. And I was praying about that. And I thought I, I could teach. I had been thinking of teaching or writing. And I could do that. But if I taught, what I would be teaching would end at the grave. 
fit uh, fit people for this life, but not for eternity. So as a result, I said, I want to be able to tell people the good news of the gospel that I believed two years earlier. And that's how the calling to the pastorate, God just impressed upon me that there are more important things than this life. And yes, I want to help people live this life the way God would have them, but I also want them to be prepared for eternity. Now, therefore, after I finished Tufts, I went on to Gordon Seminary. And, and were, you, uh, were you the first blind person at Gordon Seminary? No. No, okay. A fellow named Ross Peterson had been there not too long ago. Okay. So you went to you went to uh, what do they call it? Uh, I'm going to say divinity school. That's not right. Years of seminary. Seminary. Thank you. At Gordon, and again, I had to uh, do the same thing I had done at Tufts in terms of getting work done. So after the three years at Gordon, they sought to place their students in a church. Before we go there, I, have a, I want to stop just for a second, yes, sir. If, you, if you don't mind. So my question is, I, I heard a story, uh, I think that you told about a, a befriending a professor and playing chess with him. Oh. Um, can you talk about that? How did that help you? <laughs> if, I mean, you know, you, you know how, how did that? Okay. I don't know that it helped me. I had a job manning the switchboard for the dormitory, uh, five-story dormitory. And I liked the early hours. For one thing, there wasn't much happening. So I would put in for the uh, eight o'clock to nine or eight to 10. Well, there was uh, this professor who played chess, enjoyed the game, and so he said, well, what time do you hit here in the morning? I said, eight o'clock. He said, would it be all right if I come and we have a game? Sure. So we did. We had a good game of chess. <laughs> and right toward the end of the game, disgruntled students began to come into the dorm. They did not see him, the professor, but they were disgruntled because there was a final exam and the professor never showed up for it. <laughs> and so I snuck the professor out when we thought it might be safe. But that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the professor's story. And I'm not sure how it helped me well it, it it made 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 you friends with the professor you know which oh. which, is, which is always a good thing so no. let's let, let, let's move on a little bit so okay. I, I i interrupted you i did i uh derailed your story um so you, you so gordon tried to find a church needing a pastor that i could take and 
during that summer, 1962, I graduated. During that summer, they found some camp jobs, a camp counselor. And there are stories that go with that, but I shan't uh, take the time for that. But in the fall, they said there is a church up in Lowell that needs a pastor. I lived in West Medford at that time. So fine and dandy. I'd be willing to go up there and uh, just fill in for a Sunday. That's all I was asked to do. So I was taken up there and uh, preached the sermon, led the worship. That afternoon, I stayed there because they had a Sunday evening service as well that they wanted me to take. And (laughs) this led to a very interesting happenstance. I was brought to the church a few minutes before the evening service. The church was locked up. No one had the key. So what to do? Someone said, I remember the side window is down, but it wasn't locked. Well, they didn't have a ladder. At that time, I was six feet two and 130 pounds. Uh, Other folks were heavier and not quite as tall. So I said, well, if you are willing to uh, give me a boost, so on, I'll see if I can get the window open, get inside, and let you folks in. I hadn't seen that part of the church before, but I knew from the door that they wanted to enter. I knew where the window was from that door. I was able to get the window open and climb in the church. Isn't that how any uh, pastor should begin? That, that's quite a test that you passed, right? Going, yeah, going in through the window. Through the window, yeah. If you can't go through the door, go through the window. And then I was able quickly to find the door and so on and let them in. Uh, so they, is, that, is that how you got your first job? Uh, that is that the church you ended up? That's the church that, uh, yes. Okay. But the church asked me to come up again, and I was not being picked up this time, had to go into North Station and take the Lowell train. Last thing that Saturday night, 11.15, I listened to the Logan weather forecast. Not a mention of snow. Praise God. That'll make it easier. I got up Sunday morning, got all ready, stepped outside. We had six inches of snow overnight. Logan missed it completely. And because the weather forecasters missed it, the plowers hadn't been out. 
everything was bogged down. To make a long story short, I missed the train. The train left on time, but the bus uh, and elevated train uh, <laughs> did not run on time. Very late, yeah. very late. So what do I do? I went outside and got a cab, cabbed from North Station to Lowell. I had the cabbie let me off at the corner of the street where the church was. I didn't want the church to know what I had done because they'd feel, you know, they should repay me for the thing. So that, uh, that was uh, the second time. And so much more. Uh, they had me up for a prayer meeting and for the church to question me anything they wanted. I remember one elderly lady said, uh, well, when you baptize people, have you ever lost any? <laughs> and it was humorous. First of all, I hadn't baptized anyone at that time, but she was a dear, sweet lady with a valid concern. I explained to her that baptistries aren't deep, a person isn't going to drown, and that I have contact with the person throughout the baptism. So not, not anything to worry about. So you got the job and we are running sort of shorter on time. So I really have two questions to ask you. Talk about, if you don't mind, sort of how you integrated your blindness into the work you do, you know, what, how you, got, you know, got the work done and how you incorporated blindness into your preaching perhaps, or, or, or anything else that seems relevant. Again, I was able to get a street uh, directory for Lowell, and Lowell is a major city, so there were buses and all. So I was able to visit folks in Lowell and surrounding communities taking buses, and the street directory, my Dad, before I actually began the pastorate, but uh, when I knew I was going to be pastoring in a week or two, my dad uh, went over streets with me. You have uh, Bridge Street, a main street. The church is on West 5th. And He'd say the next street is West 6th. The next street is Shed Street. The next street is West 9th and so forth. So I made note of all these things. So I had an idea of the layout. And I was able to walk around the city doing pretty well. By the oh, grace uh, of God. Yeah, uh, by the grace of God. Talk about how you prepared sermons using, I assume you used uh, you know, Braille or something to prepare. And how did you integrate, how did you integrate computers into your work? 
you know, as things as things moved along. Okay. The messages from the Bible. So I had the text. I didn't have to have anything fancy. I would just read the text and talk about what it said and how it applies to life now. Did you take so, no, did you t- did you take notes to help you or did you just do it extemporaneously? I did my studying before the message. Okay. okay. Uh, so that the message could be extemporaneous. Got it. Got it. And oh, this was very good, very yeah. helpful. But the church wanted a parsonage. I had made a resolve not to date, I was single, not to date any of the church parishioners, because if I did, that would change the relationship. And I kept that resolve with one exception, the girl I married. Of course. Of course. So we we are short on time. I'm sure that's a great story in itself but we don't have the time to do that. So I have, I have one more question to ask you uh, and you've sort of answered it, but I want to give you a, a chance to expand on it. If you want, what advice would you give to a blind person looking for their first job? Remember that it's not up to the community to help you get a job. There are so many opportunities. Now you have organizations that'll help. uh, You can take, they'll help you to get a computer, whatever, ever you need. Well, I didn't have that. I had to do as good a job pastoring as a sighted person. And that I sought to do. Don't ask the world for favors. Now, if there are organizations that'll help you, fine. But don't go into a a situation feeling that you are owed this. Uh, No, you're not owed anything except to make the company that you start working for to make that company better. And if you can't make the company better, forget it. So I just want to uh, uh, make a comment before we wrap up. Your comment about not having a computer reminds me that often we have computers, but the software is changing so fast that sometimes we can't use it because it's inaccessible to our speech software or whatever. And right. part, part of the challenge is to figure out a way to work around that if you can. There are sometimes different ways of getting to the same space. And I think uh, one of the things I'm really pleased about having you on the show is to sort of point out that things can be done without without everything being accessible. It's just somewhat harder and you have to prove yourself in different ways, like climbing through windows. Um, But, you know, it, it, it can be done. This is Michael, a production assistant at the Let's Get to Work podcast. This amazing podcast was recorded in late November 2021. 
We at the Let's Get to Work podcast, however, were made aware of the sad news of Pastor Bob Ratham's passing on December 25th, 2021. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Ratham family for this loss. It was a great experience that Peter had being able to talk with Pastor Bob Ratham in this chat. We hope you enjoy the episode and reach out if you have any questions. You've been listening to Let's Get to Work, a podcast from the Employment Committee at the American Council of the Blind. Have questions, episode ideas, or feedback? Feel free to email Brooke Jostet, the committee chair, at B-R-O-O-K-E underscore J-O-S-T-A-D at Comcast.net. Until next time, work it.